and began my career as an energy medicine practitioner while working as an oncology nurse at a Seattle area hospital. My medical background combined with intuitive insights and skill in moving energy have been a catalyst for transformation in many people's lives. I hope the next hour will be transformative for you as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle. And as you know, you can listen to a repeat of this show on Sunday at 1 o'clock. No, at noon. Excuse me, noon to 1, if I have it correctly. We've changed a few times, so I get a little confused. So we are live here in Seattle. A little overcast, unfortunately. Our beautiful sunshine that we reported about last week has kind of gone to the birds a little bit. But I heard it's going to be nice on Monday. Is that right, Eric? That's what they say. Yeah, it's looking like a hot and uh, finally summertime weather ahead next Next week. week. Yeah, Yeah, after the 4th. After the (laughs) 4th. So we might have a little rainy 4th, so that means no fires here in Washington. Actually, the 4th, it looks like it's just going to be partly sunny, but not Ah, not very hot. uh, And a little bit of sprinkles, I think, is what I heard. I'm not seeing sprinkles so far, but we'll see. Excellent, because, you know, Eric keeps us up to date on the weather, and I always bring up the weather here in Seattle because I want... You know, all of you, wherever you are listening, anywhere around the country or around the world, we're so grateful for our international listeners and that you look outside your windows and see what your weather is, what time of day it is for you, so that you can be grounded and more in your body and present as we move on this healing journey together this hour, where we work together to help to enrich and to enliven our lives with passion and enjoy. And we happen to have a guest this week, which is very exciting. We have Daphne Rose Kingma, and Daphne is an undisputed expert on matters of the heart. She's the author of 10 books on love and relationships. Her books include The Future of Love, The Power of Soul in Intimate Relationships, True Love, Finding True Love, The Men We Never Knew, and the classic on the psychological journey of ending a relationship coming apart. Her books have sold over a million copies and have been translated into 15 languages. Very exciting. Her work has been featured on hundreds of radio programs as well as newspapers and magazines. She's been interviewed by Oprah six times and, of course, interviewed on other shows and networks, including Charlie Rose and CNN and, of course, again, hundreds of other radio programs. So, Daphne, we're so blessed to have you, and we get to talk about your brand new book. Oh, thank you, Marie. I'm delighted to be with you. Oh, thank you. The 10 Things to Do When Your Life Falls Apart which is kind of what's happening to a lot of American people right now, um, struggling financially, which, of course, then puts stress on relationships and our health. Yes. Right? All of these um, interesting and difficult times. So I feel blessed and honored to have you in the studio today so that you can help take us through some of the steps in your book and, of course, answer callers' questions. Yes. Thank you so much, Marie, because with you, I feel that these are such incredibly challenging times. And I, I think... You know, we all know that the energy, the vibe is kind of out there like things are tough. But I think because of that, people so much need a sense of, you know, how can I move through this? What are the guidelines? Is there a way through or are we all just going to kind of sink down into the (laughs) swamp of depression and, you know, until the cloud passes? And so I I felt very honored and blessed to be able to write this book and, and offer it to people at a time when it's so 
you know, needed. Actually, I thought about that when I was reading your book about how timely this was. I think your guides help you enormously with your writing career because you couldn't ask for this book to come at a better time. Exactly. In U.S. history, at least. And, and one of your friends actually inspired you to write this book who was having, you know, I hope he's well now and I yes. hope things are going well in his life. But he, you know, came to visit you for some, a shoulder to cry on and some love and attention and um, losing his job and his wife and um, a bunch of money in the stock market and having some health issues all at the same time. Those are just a few of the things yeah. I remember. And, uh, and he asked you before he left, because he came to visit you, is for you to come up with 10 things <laughs> that he could do to help put his life in balance during this crisis. And you felt a little overwhelmed at the end <laughs> of the conversation, but look what came out of that. Um, yes. Beautiful. And, and I think, you know, they're always the messengers that kind of direct us on our path. And he certainly was the messenger in this case, because I hadn't considered, as you know, my work has always been about love, and I, I just had never quite considered going in this direction. And it was such a clear call. It's like this man has been sent here to carry the message for so many people. It's like he's saying, this is what we need to hear, Daphne. Please give some guidance because, you know, he wasn't, he was just the smoke, the spokesperson for so many, I believe. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and what I also found was interesting, because I tend to be more of an positive up person. I don't focus on the negative. But when you were talking in the book, it, it did remind me of two, what I consider really challenging times in my life. And I'd forgotten about them, you know, how stressful wow. it was, right? And it just reminded me of, because it happens to all of us. When we least expect it, you know, these challenging times show up. And um, and we need to be able to have the tools to move through them. Yes, and and I, I love your attitude, you know. It's like we don't want to dwell on this stuff, but the truth is it shows up for us. And when it does, we need to be effective about it. We need to, you know, we need to have a way of, of doing life when it's asking a lot of us and when we feel out of our depth. And so I, I just, I feel, as I said, you know, so lucky to be, able to offer this. And I I really think, you know, as I wrote the book and went through it and speak about it and have people respond to me about it, what's so clear is that we're willing to get in alignment in times of crisis. It's like, okay, I better figure (laughs) some things out. I better, you know, kind of revamp how I live my life. But as many people have said, these principles are really always true in life. They're, They're a way of approaching life even when you're not in a time of crisis, it's a good handbook. But of course, when you're under the pressure of crisis, then it's really important to pay attention to these things. I agree. And it, wouldn't it be great if we took the time to make these beautiful tools for ourselves when we're not in crisis so that we know how to use them well when yeah. these things happen? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so you actually hear in, in your bio information talks about Daphne to the rescue, <laughs> which I think is adorable. And just some more information about you that you started at the university at age 16. I was a young sprout. <laughs> yes, very ambitious, clearly. And then you have a, a practice as you're a psychotherapist in Santa Barbara and Beverly Hills for over 25 years. Yes. I've been doing emotional healing work with people for many years, and that's been my path and my joy about, you know, deeply with relationships, also with people and issues of creativity and wanting to express themselves and 
mm-hmm. fulfill their purpose. And, of course, all these things come out and get expanded again in times of crisis. Hey, what are we doing in our relationship, and how can our relationship make it through, and what is our creative response to life crisis? And Right, all of those things. Yeah. And what I also love is that you're still in practice, because I think when, you know, when we're writing books or giving talks or all of those things, when we have one-on-one connection with someone, we really get to find out if the tools are working. Yeah. You know, because it's a humbling experience being with a person, you know, month after month or week after week, whatever, however you work, and find out if it's working. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, I've always considered that just an incredible privilege and and, of course, I, I'm seeing as this book has come out, people reaching to me from all across the country. Somebody flew across the country yesterday to work with me. Just, you know. Beautiful. You know, and it's just, as you say, Marie, it's like you you experience the pulse of humanity of what real people are really going through. And I must say, you use the word humility, but I certainly humility, but also just an incredible reverence for the way that people address the difficult things they're going through, the courage, the willingness, the um, persistence, the beauty. Persistence, which is actually um, number six in the book. And and of course, one of the great things as our callers line up is they get to ask you about anything because you are well-educated and a great teacher and a healer on you know, all the levels of human compassion and consciousness. So that's very exciting. But yeah, so, you know, kind of jumping around in terms of the book, but number six is persistence. You yeah. Know? And, <laughs> and I remember the story about the man who um, wanted a life partner. At least that's, as I recall, that's the story of that chapter. And he uh, decided to put a personal ad in the newspaper rather than going on online dating. And I think it took him about two years to get through all of the ads before he found his person. And, yeah, and you described how persistent he was about that—that that he was patient and persistent about it. Yes, and I think it was the seventy-something ad that he finally <laughs> connected with somebody who'd already herself put in like fifty ads. And I, I just thought it was such a beautiful teaching for us now because I think we live in a world of such instant everything. You know, Google it up, and you know, have five hundred thousand things at your fingertips, and that. Persistence, I often think now, is kind of an old-fashioned, you know, like a grandmothery, grandfathery word, you know, like keep, you know, keep cutting up the cordwood or keep plowing the field or keep peeling yeah. the apples for the applesauce. And it's, it's almost a way of responding to life that's become unfamiliar to us because everything is so quickly accessible. And so that's why that was given to me as one of the ten things, you know, we really... Like that guy, you know, he said, I'm just going to do this and do this and do this and go on this journey until I, you know, until I create the result that I'm intending. And I think that's a great message to us that, you know, great results don't often come instantly. We have to keep doing it and keep going down the path, even when, you know, the response or the wanted thing isn't forthcoming. Right, right. Well, we're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines and uh, listen to some of our callers. So, Eric, who do we have? Well, right now we've got Kelly calling all the way from Spearfish, South Dakota. Good morning, Kelly. Hi, how are you guys? We're great. Good, good. Um, my question, I don't, I don't know if I really have a question as much as I feel so confused about um, 
my love life. I know what I want, but yet I keep deteriorating, going a different direction or not really a different direction, but almost the same direction with the same person, trying to make it be more than what it is. Hmm, interesting. Well, what matters that come up in our love lives and in other parts of our life, too, but they're very often related to issues that happened in our childhood that we may or may not be aware of. And so if you can connect a little bit more with what happened in your own life and how you may be repeating something that was very familiar with your childhood or from your childhood, then you can you can stop and say, okay, what is this really about, and have I finished up the feelings about this? This is actually kind of a complicated process, Kelly, that let me uh-huh. just kind of give you a couple of brief steps, and I would strongly, lovingly recommend to you that you get my book called um, Finding True Love, which talks about you know, how we often repeat these patterns and why we often do, but it's like... First of all, you need to understand what happened to you when you were a child, which many of us do not understand. Then you need to go through a feeling process about it, and then you can create something different in the present. Right. And, I, you know, I think I've had thoughts of, of like, I realize that this is a process that I need to go through. It's like, okay, what has happened to me? And, um... Sorry, someone is kind of mad at me, um, and I can't. I can't pinpoint it. You can't what? She said she I can't, can't seem to pin. Yeah. Can't, oh. I can't seem to well, pinpoint. Well, that's like, I know what exactly I mean. It's a it's a very deep process. I mean, you know, and I don't think we really have time to go into it today. But I really offer that book as an incredible guide in pinpointing it and illuminating you. It's called Finding True Love. And I think Marie mentioned my. It, you can get it through my website. You can get it through Amazon. www.daphnekingma.com is my website. D a p h n e k i n g m a. Of course, I could tell you everything in the book, but we'd be here for three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, I hope that's helpful for you. And you know, as I was listening to you and Daphne talk. Um, one of the things I got, of course, it is in one of the the, um, the lovely chapters in the new book, The Ten Things to Do When Your Life Falls Apart, is like letting go. I kind of feel like you need to like pick a totally different guy than what you normally mm-hmm. pick. I- even if you're not going to end up with him, it's like you, you need to pick like a hippie guy or somebody who's really silly or irresponsible because you keep looking for these really responsible men. And hopefully I want you to have that, right? Ultimately. But it's almost like you need to like fail or have the feeling that you failed so that you'll, um, you know... Um, maybe make that okay for you. Okay. <laughs> but I think the, uh, the book sounds fantastic, and I'm actually going to go pick it up myself. It sounds wonderful. Great. Yes, I will. I will look for it. Thank Great. you, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Kelly. So okay. we're going to go ahead and go to our next caller. All right. Let's talk to Lainey calling from Bellevue. Hi, Lainey. It's Lene. Lene. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm uh, That last caller kind of hit a little bit close to what I'm dealing with. I've been in a relationship and on again, off again for two and a half years, and it goes from extremely hot to to just cold. And it isn't me, it's him. And (laughs) I'm confused. I mean, I'm so confused sometimes. I don't... But the really strange thing is that 
And that's what I want to know is, am I just making excuses? Um, uh, you know, I can tell that he cares. I know that he loves me, but he also has his own issues. And so, I don't know. I'm just wondering, Marie, if you if you see anything in, in, the, in the future with this or, um, you know... I don't know. Well, I'm going to let Daphne, the love expert, actually answer your question. I'll add a few tidbits in at the end, but I'd love to hear Daphne's. Well, uh, I think you said something very important, Lene, which is that he it went up in lights for me. He has some issues. I think when we're in relationships, we're often very aware of what we want, what feels good to us, and what doesn't. But we're forgetting that we're engaging with another person who has a whole life history and their issues and that all the time we are always bringing our issues to the table. And that's, of course, the wonderful thing about a relationship. We get to discover another person, to love them through and with their issues. But if this Mm -hmm. gentleman isn't aware of himself or if he's not on a journey with you of dealing with these things, then it can become you're just a victim of the issues, as it were. So, you know, this may be an opportunity for you to invite him to the awareness. That's often a gift of relationship is that we invite the other person to become more aware of themselves than they were. And, you know, it's an invitation, it's a gift, it's a transformation. And if that's not available, you may you know, there may be a piece of your issues that's willing, you know, that has engaged with this on-again, off-again person that you might want to look at, too. So it's about a deeper level, taking it to a deeper level of awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now no, I'm going to let Marie do I, it. I loved magic. what you said. I, 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 I think it's perfect. And, and I think that when you engage in um, that type of a conversation, you get to find out how willing are they, yes. right? And that's kind of huge. That's like the big you know, big to do right there in terms of how further you want to go in this relationship, depending on how committed he is to working on the things that you both feel are important. Yes, because a relationship is always a journey of becoming. It's always a process of discovery, of getting to know. And that's the beauty of it, of course. It's like, wow, now I get to know this about you, and now I get to show you this about me. And that's the that's the emotional excitement of it is that we get to become through this connection with another. And so, Daphne, if he, you know, if, if Lene sits down and has this talk with her partner and he shows very little or no interest in, in solving the problem to him, it's not a problem, then what would you recommend? Well, I think then it's a time to say, you know, am I a person who for some reason is addicted to or committed to this on and off thing and what's that about me then Mm -hmm. that's a journey of of self-awareness and otherwise to say you know in consciousness this isn't doing it for me and to have the courage to move on and that's always a tough thing we don't want to move on it's hard it's painful it's tearful but you know i think the bottom line is is the person willing to go on the journey with you or not and that's what you need to check out now. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. And, and of course, Daphne wrote a book about that too. So, <laughs> so you know, when you're parting ways, you can actually pick up that book as well. Yes, that book is called <laughs> Coming Apart. And Thank by you. the way, Lene, that book has a kind of a diagnostic thing in it to check out. You know, is this relationship really over? It's called Coming Apart. Why relationships end. It's really about why we get into relationships, too. Why relationships end and how to live through the ending of yours. So 
Wow. I think that's I, a, I suggest a, that very strongly as a guideline for you to learn some things, too. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go get that book right now because I'm just really, yeah, I, I'm tired of the confusion at this point. It will really help you with the confusion. I know it will. All okay. right. Well, God thank you. you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. So um, back to the current book, you know, the 10 things to do when your life falls apart. I loved, I mean, I love the whole book, but I love chapter one because yes. cry your heart out, you know, for goodness sakes, please cry. It's such an important part of healing. Yes. And you know, it just, it just came streaming out to me, Marie, because I think You know, in hard times especially, we really need to be able to grieve, to let go of our tears, to let go of our feelings. And it's just astonishing to me that, um, you know, we really live in a culture that is constantly telling us not to do this. Mm -hmm. Don't feel, if you feel bad, take a drug, you know, pull yourself together, get control, Especially, I think this is true for men, so many men that I've talked to in the, well, all my work life, but also especially about this book. Well, I'm the man. I have to keep it together. I'm the man. I can't have the feelings. And yet, this is a very profound and organic vehicle for us to maintain, to secure and to maintain equilibrium in the body, to you know, find balance again so that we have enough strength to do the things that need to be done in a time of crisis. Yeah. And I love what you wrote, that it has been clinically clinically demonstrated that when you suppress sadness, you also suppress positive emotions. Yes. Yes. Because we just kind of like, you know, squish ourselves into the middle range. It's like, okay, well, everything's okay. We're going to watch TV and, you know, take some pills and do our work and you take know, more it's pills. Like we squish everything <laughs> And so we miss the vibrancy, the beauty, the aliveness of what it is to be human. You know, we, we, are, human, we are human emotional beings, and it's our emotional being which gives texture to our life experience here. Mm-hmm. And you also wrote that grief is a suicide prevention. To be able to express your grief yeah. helps yes. you prevent... I mean, at the farthest levels it wow. is, because when people just hold and hold and hold grief, you know, and try to contain it in their body and try to get control of it. What happens is that, you know, those feelings don't go away. It's like putting, you know, five gallons of water in a balloon. Ultimately, it's going to pop because it's it's gone beyond its capacity. And so if we don't grieve consistently along the way with our lives, then finally there's just this kind of breakthrough point. It can be breakthrough to grief or it can be break breakthrough to self-destruction because the person just can't hold it anymore. Right, right. I thought that was fascinating. I think that's completely true. And I've always looked at tears are our way of cleaning our soul. Yeah. You know, just let, and you wrote in here about how how great you feel after you've had some time to yourself sobbing. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think You know, what I want to say so lovingly to people in this chapter is don't be ashamed of your tears. They're beautiful. They're healing. They're renewing. And I'm sure you've had this experience. I've had it so many times, you know, with dear friends, people I love, but also, of course, with the many people I've worked with over the years that when we see a person after they've cried, there's always this kind of 
gorgeous luminosity to them. Uh, you know, it's like, wow, you've been reborn. There you are. You look so beautiful. Uh, I love that. I completely agree. That is absolutely beautiful. I love that. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break here on the Marie Manu Cherry Show, and we will be right back with Daphne Rose Kingma. Become a Reiki master the weekend of September 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This two-and-a-half-day transformative workshop is open to all levels of experience and will certify you in Reiki 1, 2, and 3. You will learn to move energy within the body by practicing on other workshop participants. Marie will be your instructor, guiding you with her own symbolic sight and providing knowledge of energy medicine. Take this opportunity to fulfill your dreams of becoming your very own certified Reiki master. You will receive attunements during deep meditation that will allow you to practice Reiki at the master level and information on the laws that govern professional practice in Washington State. Enrollment is limited. Please call 425-825-5671 or visit Marie's website, energyintuitive.com, for more details. Are you looking for tools to enhance your life or to bring those things you desire into your life? Marie offers a variety of CDs to help you do just that. Get acquainted with your seven primary chakras and balance your human energy system. Or is embracing your intuition what you're looking to learn? Or would you rather focus on a healthy immune system? These CDs and more are available through Marie's website at energyintuitive.com. For a complete list of CDs available and their descriptions, please visit Marie's website today. We're doing a live show this 4th of July. Going out to celebrate? Take us along with you. Stefan Vanell is the author of The Astrological Karma of the USA, a book for anyone seeking to understand the lessons, potential, and possible destiny of the United States. Then at 8 o'clock, we'll have firecracker interviews as we check in with some of our favorite guests from around the country. It's a July 4th Gary Mann show you won't want to miss this Sunday night at 7 p.m. Pacific. Marie and astrologer Deborah Silverman will be conducting a weekend workshop July 10th and 11th. Come learn how elemental astrology and energy medicine can make transformational shifts in your life. This workshop is geared to creative, positive, revolutionary change to your lifestyle. Gain creative understanding of your life purpose, relationships, and health issues. Walk away from this workshop with a personal astrological chart and the necessary tools and insights to enhance key areas of your life. Join Marie and Deborah for an engaging weekend, Saturday, July 10th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Sunday, July 11th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Redmond Town Center Marriott. This is a workshop you don't want to miss. Seating is limited. To register or for more information, visit Marie's website at energyintuitive.com or call 425-825-5671. Made fresh each day for you. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. And welcome back to the Marie Manu Cherry Show. We are live here in Seattle. I just want to give out a little reminder that, or actually something new, I'll be teaching the Wisdom of Elemental Energy um, workshop with Deborah Silverman on July 
10th and 11th, but we're going to have an introductory class. And this was, it's a free class. It's an hour and a half. And we're having it actually at a mutual friend of ours home, this beautiful home that she has. So it's an hour and a half on Friday the 9th. And you want to call my office at 425-825-5671 to register for that class. And we're going to talk about the whole workshop and kind of give a sneak preview. And um, we're looking forward to meeting lots of wonderful people before we engage in a very deep weekend of astrology and energy medicine. What did you want to say, Eric? I just wanted to say if folks wanted to call into the show today that they can at 425-373-5527 or toll free at 877-825-8828. That's 877-825-8828. Oh, thank you. And what lucky people they are today because we have Daphne Rose Kingma um, live on the air from Santa Barbara actually. And she is a therapist, a renowned author who's the author of 12 books. And her most recent book that we're talking about today, but we'll talk about any of them, of course, is The 10 Things to Do When Your Life Falls Apart. Daphne has been interviewed by Oprah six times on numerous radio shows, hundreds of them, and other television shows as well. Has been a therapist for over 25 years, primarily in California, and is obviously very gifted and talented and intuitive. So we're thrilled to have you on the air with us, Daphne. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. It's great. Oh, it's wonderful. So I, you know, I've been reading your book, of course. Um, that's one of the fun things about hosting a radio show is people send you books and you get to read them. So <laughs> it's very fun. One of my favorite things. And I was reading chapter two about face your defaults. Um, you know, those things that we tend to do, particularly when we're stressed. Yes, right? absolutely. And how hard that is to change that when you are feeling really, really stressed. Yes, and I, you know, defaults, I, I just kind of want to elucidate that a little bit. Defaults, which has that challenging word, faults in it. It's not about faults, but it's like, you know, the default printer on your computer or the <laughs> default typeface. It's like this thing that is always there if you don't consciously choose something different. And because of our life experiences in childhood, and we were talking, I believe, with Kelly about that, because of our life experiences, we develop coping or adaptive behaviors that are the way that we navigate through life. And so, you know, a lot of these things we've been doing so long since we started doing them when we were kids, and we didn't know exactly why we were doing them, but we've been doing them so long that we're not aware of them. You know, it's like we're not aware that, you know, our response is always to go passive, or we're not aware that our response is always to be angry and combative, or we're not aware that our response is always to head to the refrigerator when we're scared. And so in this chapter, I really wanted to offer to people an opportunity both to see what happened to them as children. You know, we were again talking with that a little about that a little bit earlier. It's like, Mm -hmm. you've got to know what happened to you because Even though you weren't paying attention at the time, what happened and how you responded has shaped your whole life. And the beautiful thing about a crisis, of course, is that it gives us a chance, an invitation to say, hey, I ought to stop and pay attention to who I am and what I've been doing. And then I also have the option, just as we were talking with Lene, you have an option after you have that awareness to do something different, to say, okay... Now I understand this default response isn't the most effective, and yeah. I could respond in a whole new way. Right. And, of course, that, that, takes some, that takes some practice, and it takes some support to be able to do that. 
but um, when we've when we've discovered what our defaults are, then we can make a conscious choice and say, no, that's really not working in this situation. I need to learn and develop a new response. Yeah, and I, of course, completely agree. Uh, in energy medicine, the root chakra is the foundation for our entire energetic system, and the emotions that are held there are all about childhood and and whatever happened there. And, uh-huh. and most people just prefer not to look at it. You're like, oh, it's fine. You know, when a client's way down there, yeah. <laughs> they say it's way down there in the body and it's way back there in the psyche. You know, it's way back right. there in childhood. Right. And it's very important because we build up on these interesting defense mechanisms through the pain or neglect or whatever we felt as kids that we don't want to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I find that fascinating. And also in the book, you talk about some of our default behavior, like, you know, antidepressants, that there'll be more than 100 million prescriptions written this year for Americans. I know. Isn't that <gasps> boggling? Shocking. I mean, just looking at that number, I, I just, when I came across that, I was just stunned. You know, I know a lot of people, who we all do, who sure. are, you know, taking this, that, or the other thing. But to really look at that, as that many human beings are not able to find in their body or in their spirit, their psyche, a way to cope with life, I thought was just stunning. And and we do live in this culture that just tells us, you know, be happy, everything's great, go out and buy some more stuff. And we we're not trained, we're not we're not being developed to cope emotionally. I think that was so cute what you said, just go out and buy some more stuff. And actually, when you said that, I thought, oh, gosh, I do want to go shopping. <laughs> but I'm thinking, okay, what am I trying to cover up at this moment? You know. But I, I think that's really true. We're going to go ahead and go to the phone lines. Who do we have, Eric? Next, we're going to talk to Kathleen calling from Seattle. Hi, Kathleen. Hi. Hi, Marie. I, I'm so grateful to your show. And this one is especially amazing. Um. Daphne, your books. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make one of them the summer reading because it's so wonderful. But my question for Marie is about a health issue I have. Um, about two years ago, my wrist started really aching, as and people would tell me that it was carpal tunnel, and I would do exercises for it and stuff, but it would never get better. Um, and then I noticed on the top of my um, neck on the right-hand side, uh, right at the top of the spine, there is a numb spot about the size of a dime. And sometimes I get a buzzing up there. And now I've noticed that my elbows are starting to hurt and ache, like my wrists around my thumbs. And I'm wondering if you can give me any insight to where this is coming from and how I can heal it. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you the energetic, you know, reasoning why these joints are bothering you. And then Daphne, if she will, can jump up and give you some ideas to help you move through them emotionally. Thank so, you. Yes, of course. So risks are about um, not allowing the universe to support you. So somehow you're not allowing, you know, you're probably trying too hard to take control of it. Um, Whatever's going on in your life, instead of being in the flow, that whole letting go, which is a a chapter in the book as well, you know, allowing that universal wisdom to come through. The elbow and the cervical vertebrae are related to the throat chakra, which are about speaking your truth. Um, And so there's some aspect of you not expressing yourself, which, again, probably goes back to not feeling supported by the universe. So, Daphne, when you have clients who don't surrender, so to speak, um, what is one of your guidelines on how to get there? Well, part of it is 
going back to chapter one, just ask yourself, is, is there something that you feel deeply hurt about or that deeply touched about or, you know, deeply unmet about that you just need to release your self-compassion? And I, I want to say that, you know, tears are, tears are our loving kindness to ourselves. And, you know, when you don't feel supported by the universe or when you don't feel supported by life or when you feel like you're trying to handle, you know, the wrist is the joint of the hand also, mm. handle more than you can handle or carry more than you can handle with the shoulder, with the arm. It's like there's a feeling of, of you know, not only not letting the universe support you, but also sometimes of just sorrow. I wish I felt more supported. I I just compassionately say to myself, sometimes this this all that I'm carrying feels like too much. And sometimes just the release of lovingly feeling that, you know, instead of trying to carry it more, trying to get the support, trying, 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 of just sort of letting go into the feeling of lovingly feeling your smallness, feeling your vulnerability, feeling how much you would like to be touched, cared for, held, supported. And then often that creates the release. Mm -hmm. So Kathleen, can you feel that when Daphne's talking to you about it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm just feeling you and I can just feel you like softening. I mean, it's sad. It's definitely sad, which is what I love what Daphne wrote in her book. It's not for sissies. (laughs) (laughs) Quite adorable. Um, But I could just feel you like going down to that place like, oh, my God, it's true. I I don't feel. Yeah, I don't feel supported. It, It is very true. And I often feel stifled because I. I won't say things or I'll hold back because I'm concerned that I'm going to be misinterpreted and misunderstood, and it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Kathleen, one of the things I would suggest for you as just a little practice with your wrist, which has carried so much, is to just use your beautiful hand to pick up a pen and write very lovingly, not judgmentally, you know, why aren't these jerks doing whatever, but just <laughs> lovingly write down lovingly to you, from you to you, like a tender mother, like a fairy godmother, like an angel. These are the ways in which I don't feel supported, and it's been so very hard for me. And to just tell yourself the truth of that. You know, Marie was saying this is all connected with your throat chakra. It's not just what you can't say to others. It's what you haven't been able to say to yourself about how tender and how vulnerable and how uncared for you've been feeling. So writing that out is a is a gift of love for yourself of saying, yes, I deserve to know how I feel and how unsupported I have felt just in a really tender way. It'd be interesting to see what happens with your wrist after you do that. Mm-hmm. I agree completely. That that was beautiful and well said. And I can tell Kathleen's taking it all in like this delicious <laughs> nectar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you, Kathleen. We wish you the best. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank You're you. welcome. Welcome. So we're going to go ahead and continue on the phone lines. Let's talk to Kathy calling from Seattle. Hi. Hi, Kathy. Um, yeah, well, I have never listened to the show, and I just turned it on, and hearing what to do when your life falls apart, I'm like, oh, my gosh, 
this show is for me. Um, <laughs> a year and a half ago, my husband broke his back, had to have a spinal fusion. Um, so he lost his business last year, hardly worked last year. We're doing a, a medical bankruptcy. We're hoping we don't lose our house. Um, my husband started open a restaurant a few months ago, which is, he's hardly ever home now. So I'm pretty much a single mom. I have a 13-year-old. We have a 13-year-old. And um, he has just changed, and I think because he's going through physically and emotionally, you know, he's 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 in a survival mode. Yeah. And and he's a typical male that, you know, um, responds out of fear and has really hurt me. And I was going to say I am really good at chapter one. I've got that <laughs> down. I totally have that part down. <laughs> And so this has been going on for about four or five months, and basically, and we keep going back and forth fighting and saying we're going to get a divorce, which really doesn't make sense to do right now when everything is in upheaval, but we just say things we don't necessarily mean. I don't know if we're going to be together long term, probably not, but for the time being, like for at least like the next year or so, I don't feel like I'm married, but I feel like I'm sort of married. And it's like my whole life, I don't have anything concrete. So it's really been um, an ideal spiritual challenge to yeah. try and surrender. But um, how do you, how do you, how does a person try to feel like they're sort of married and not expect any sort of emotional support? Well, I don't know if that's the correct conclusion. <clears throat> right. I mean, I think you're running to a conclusion that may not be right. It feels to okay. me like there. <laughs> There might be a couple of other stages there. I'm glad to hear you've mastered Chapter 1. That's uh-huh. great. And um, I think maybe you need to take a look at Chapter 2 and see that maybe your default mechanism has been to be emotional and maybe something else needs to happen here. And, you know, moving on to Chapter 3 is to do something different. It may be a different kind of communication you need to have with your husband. It may be... Right working with this situation. It may be moving from tears to anger or to challenge or to directness or to saying, you know, instead of having the cry to saying, I, saying to him, I am in such pain that we've lost our connection. Can you talk to me about your fear? Can we talk with each other about this situation we're in in a new way? This is an opportunity yeah. for us to be alive and real with each other in a way that we never have been before. I have said that. I feel like I've been going through the different stages of grief, uh-huh. you know, how, you know, and I have done, as a matter of fact, I was so angry at one point, I actually kicked and threw something, and I've never done that in my life. That's so not me. And he is not willing to do the emotional work at all. Okay. You're very clear about that. So, um... I think that you asked the question, can you just accept this? Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I just keep intuitively feeling like there's something you need to say to him that you haven't said, that you need to say it in a different way. And uh-huh. you know, women, I wrote another book about men called The Men We Never Knew, which is a book for women about men's emotional lives. I and can't work- wait to read that one. <laughs> we're always banging on men's cages and saying, why don't you do this and why don't you do that and when are you going to do your emotional work and can't you see that I'm crying my head off and why don't you get it? And so this book really teaches about a different approach to men 
Oh. My intuition is that there's some other, you've been kind of battering down your husband's door. Now, I'm not saying he's going to change. Men are uh-huh. a hard case. I love them. I adore them. I'm <laughs> mad about them. And they're also in a very tough emotional part of the human evolution right now. But it's like if you can somehow invite your husband to express his emotion without demanding it. It's like, uh-huh. um, what are you scared of, honey? Or is this a hard time for you, too? Or mm-hmm. Right. What mm-hmm. are you, what is the most exciting thing that's happening for you now? Mm-hmm. And we don't give men these emotional openings. We tend to batter them. We're so pissed off that they yeah. haven't gotten it already. Right. And that the approach that we take so often just, closes them up more. So exactly. I would I would encourage you to, you know, maybe get that book. Seems like I'm uh-huh. having this bookstore of selling <laughs> all my books today. I didn't know it was going to be that. But anyway, and see what you might learn about this man that you don't know and that might, you know, give a different opening. And of course, if you do that 5,000 times, then it is time to read Coming Apart and wrap <laughs> right. up the you know, stagecoach and go some. But my intuition is that you have, there's some other place that you haven't gone yet that might bring a very interesting response. Mm-hmm. I completely okay. agree because I, to me, the relationship isn't over with. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he's working so hard. You know, he recovered from the back thing. And I think it's even harder for men to have health challenges, you know, a yeah. serious yeah. one. It's scary. You know, yeah. They're so used to being strong and take care of, of everything. And, and then they have to recover and we have to care for them. And then he goes out and starts a restaurant. I mean, on top yeah, of I it. I was shocked when I heard that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, talk about how much yeah. he wants to provide and he wants to be the caretaker of the family. Family and he doesn't even give himself a moment to breathe. Exactly. You know, and he's off saving the world again. And in a very challenging way, restaurants are difficult things to yeah. run. You know, they're very time consuming. I get that he's madly in love with you. He has no idea why you're ma- why he's mad at you. Why you're mad at him. He has no clue from he what I can see. He do everything. He uh-huh. is, bless his heart. And, yeah. and he's just, he keeps thinking that you're going to be fine as soon as the financial thing is okay. You know, it's like right. his back is getting better. He's out of the crisis of his spine. I mean, it's not 100%, but he's out of the crisis. Uh-huh. And so he keeps thinking, I just have to keep bringing the bacon home and she's going to calm down and we're all going to be fine. <laughs> so, yeah. And this is an opportunity for him in some, you know, if you can find the way, and I really do strongly suggest that book because it is the way, find a way for him to be able to let down his hair without being under attack. Mm-hmm. Right. That mm-hmm. has, I've really been trying to do that, and sometimes it's really, really hard because I feel like hard. I'm You're right holding on to my emotions. And, um, yeah, that's exactly, I've been, I was like, whatever, because we only see each other like, you know, a few hours a week. And I know, so, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's I have terribly fun. hard. So you need to do something very different in those hours so that it's yeah. not just a blast session, but it's an yeah. opportunity for opening. Thank get you a hold so of much. that book if you can. I think it would really I offer think so you too. Assistance. Yeah, I'm going to get okay. all these books too, actually. Great. They sound great. Great. Well, thank you so much. Blessings. Bye, okay, Kathy. Thank you. So, so Daphne, I, I'm just kind of continuing on this subject. So, men, you know, and, and as, as you said, 
sweet, loving, courageous, amazing men, you know, and women, for some reason, we tend to be so angry. We, we get so mad, it seems like, when men don't understand what we're feeling, when they actually have a different way of understanding their own emotions that doesn't always relate to our urgency of having our needs um, soothed emotionally. Yeah. And so often those are verbal needs. We want men to talk to us, to tell our secrets, to tell us we're wonderful. And, you know, as this woman's husband was, you know, he's working very hard, and men very often express their commitment, their love, their connection by doing things. It's like, you mean the world to me. I will build a house for you. I will move mountains for you. I will get off off my broken back and try to carry on for you. And so... Men are not as verbal as we are, and we're often just so extremely impatient with that and, un, you know, unrespecting and ungrateful, I have to say. Yeah, you I know, agree. It's like, well, mm-hmm. the guy bought us a washing machine, but the idiot doesn't know how to talk to me. But the truth <laughs> is, he bought the washing machine. Right, right. He bought the washing machine, he hooked it up. Right. He, he made that as an offering on the altar of his love for you. Absolutely. And, and I think we're in such an interesting dichotomy now with genders, you know, where yeah. everybody really needs a wife, you know, even women need wives, yeah. <laughs> but nobody wants to be the wife, you know, so it's, it's a very interesting, um, you know, paradigm that we're in right now, learning how to appreciate and love one another for what we offer. Yes, and I think that is such a powerful emotional frontier right now, because we, there is all this shifting energetically, gender wise, and we're kind of like, you know, riding the tidal wave of all these changes. And I think that really, you know, women have done so much great stuff, and but men really haven't had the opportunity to do it. Right. We keep know. sending them to wars, you know. Yes. And, <laughs> we do. And we're, we're sending them to wars. We're belittling them. We're asking them why they don't support us while we're climbing the mountains of achievement. And it's like they're sort of lost and stunned. Yeah. And and we need to provide a way for that evolution to happen. And, of course, busy women that we are, we don't often have time to do it. But we need to, you know, men need to do some of it themselves. And women, boy, we really need to help them. That's a, that's a big mission of mine, actually. I love that mission. Thank I, you. I, I think that's a beautiful mission, and I applaud that. And I'm going to do my best to support you in your mission and, um, and help men Thank reach you. all their beauty and glory that yes. we all deserve to have here on the universe. I think that's absolutely yeah. beautiful. So as we look at your book, because you know, we're getting close to the end of the hour, you talk about these crises being a spiritual wake-up call. They are so a spiritual wake-up call, and, and, you know, we've heard that in various forms from the people we've been talking to today. It's like regular life doesn't ask us to go deep in ourselves, but when the tough stuff hits, we start asking the questions, what's important to me? What's the meaning of my life? What's the purpose? What am, what's going to happen to me after I die? It's like suddenly we're engaged in the deeper questions, and that is the gift of crisis that we're we're invited to contact ourselves on a much deeper level. And I have never worked with anybody who's gone through an extreme crisis who hasn't said, you know, having walked through the forest on the other side, come out and said, you know, um, this was the best thing that happened to me. You know, right. I realized that other people love me. I contacted my own capacity to love. I saw what my values really were. I gave up a terrible, destructive habit. I connected with my compassion. I found my purpose. You know, these are all the things that people say 
And so this is all a connection with the spiritual dimension in ourselves, and that is what crisis is asking, inviting, begging you to do. It's begging you to connect with the deeper, the eternal, the divine, the gifted, and to allow that to start blossoming more in your life. And that's just absolutely gorgeous. And, and so when that happens, when we reach that awareness that this has been a spiritual opportunity, that's really when the crisis heals, correctly? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, because that's, the, that's the thing we're supposed to get out of it. We're not just supposed to make it through, okay, you know, I survived, I, <laughs> my back is better, I'm not sick anymore, I rescued my house from the jaws of the mortgage people. But it's like, it's when we've taken all of that and transformed ourselves and come to the deeper level. It's like, okay, now I know the meaning of poverty. Now I'm willing to reach out to others. You know, now I know the meaning of addiction. Now I'm willing to serve others. Now I know the power of love. I'm willing to give my love to others. And so when that happens, then suddenly we become larger, more soulful human beings. And as a consequence of that, we are more at peace, we're more whole, we're more living on purpose. And that's, of course, the beauty of these very challenging experiences. Well, I thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been absolutely a pleasure to have you and to read, you know, your last book of 12 so far anyway. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure there's many more that you have that are going to be coming out on the bookshelves. But the one I'm holding in my hand, The 10 Things to Do When Your Life Falls Apart, an emotional and spiritual handbook by Daphne Rose Kingma. And Daphne, how can people find you? Yes, I'm on the web, www.daphnekingma, D-A-P-H-N-E-K-I-N-G. M-A. There's no N. A lot of people think there's an N. So www.daphnekingma.com, and this book is available in bookstores, although a lot of people told me it's been sold out where they... I had to order it. Yeah, I had to order it. So, of course, available on Amazon, I believe available through my website, too, but it's out there waiting to hold your hand as you go through your very difficult time. Uh. Well, thank you so much. You are a pleasure and a joy, and we're lucky to have you on the planet. Thank you so much, Marie. The same has been my pleasure with you, and I look forward to connecting with you. Me too. I do. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. So we are coming to a close here on the Remanu Cherry Show. Just a couple of reminders. You know, again, we're going to have that wonderful free uh, seminar, intro, intro seminar to the Wisdom of Elemental Energy Workshop. And you want to call my office at 425-825-5671. You can always visit me on the web at energyintuitive.com. You can follow me on Facebook as well. It's my full name, Marie Manucheri, on the Facebook pages. Next week, I will be by myself and I'll be talking about the other side, talking to relatives that have passed. Yes, the dead people. I'm looking forward to it. And as always, thank you wherever you are around the country, around the world. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I wish you wonderful and joyful blessings. Bye-bye.